Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The V8 Insiders hope you are having a great Easter break. To beat the Easter Sunday and Monday boredom, we've got this special edition V8 Insiders for you. We look at how players associations work in other sports, one from the eyes of the players association, the other from the eyes of the organising body. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Ever since Adelaide, you've heard more and more talk on the V8 Insiders and in other media about a Drivers' Association getting up. Well, of course, in Formula One, the Grand Prix Drivers' Association has been extremely active since Sterling Moss and his compatriots got together and formed that type and formed a group and formed a body that would make sure that drivers' considerations were brought to the forefront of all concerns mind. Now the V8 supercar drivers have said that it's about time they have a similar role to look after safety and to look after the interests of drivers when it comes to the category. Jason Monet is the media officer for the AFL Players Association and it's interesting to note just after he did this interview he had to release a statement on behalf of the North Melbourne Football Club players about the now dubbed chicken scandal i think he was happy for the diversion when the v8 insiders asked him to tell us more about the afl players association and how it was established well it's a good question craig basically uh the the current form of the afl players association was first sort of started off about 1974 when there was a first attempt by players in the uh the then vfl to form a collective association or or players union to to represent them as a collective and that basically in our current form started off in 1974 so from that date onwards we've sort of got stronger and built up our our collective representation to the stage where we are now in that um, we've had uh, I suppose all all AFL players are now members of our association and have been for some years now so it's been uh, as I say initially 1974 onwards. 35 years now, what has the Players Association been able to do for AFL football and for the uh, footballers throughout the years? What what are the key achievements that you guys can put your stamp on? Well, Craig, basically the, one, the main philosophy of the, the AFL Players Association is to represent the I suppose the collective interest and welfare of all players, but also having a due regard for the for the game itself, and I think that's one of the strongest things that's been achieved uh, in, in our experience. We've we've built a fairly strong relationship with with the AFL, with the, the governing body, and and worked together to, to produce and create some some pretty outstanding initiatives and services and, and benefits for, for players, uh, be it uh, in terms of salary or in terms of conditions or in terms of uh, player development opportunities. So, I suppose it's providing that collective voice to promote the 
the the worth of the player into into the the industry has been really really good. So yeah, as I say, basically representing the player's interest in welfare. When you see other sports around, are you surprised when they don't have associations like this? Well. Yes and no, Craig. I mean, we, we at the moment we have a good and we have for some time have a good relationship with the AFL, and that hasn't always been so. Um, it is very difficult, I think, you know, the experience for some sports people to, to sort of join together and form a bit of a association to, to put forward their views to the sports body can be very, very difficult. Obviously, it is quite a change in some sports to, to have things operate in that manner. In our industry, it's worked that way for some years, so it's became it's sort of a more normalised process. But I can imagine in some sports there is a fair bit of suspicion or uh, uh, negativity towards uh, sportsmen or sportswomen, you know, players are binding together to create a bit of a collective. So you can understand why. But uh, certainly, um, in our experience, it's been a, a terrific uh, thing to, to group together and to, to sort of have a collective voice for our, our members. Looking at perhaps uh, some of the similarities in AFL and their supercar racing, safety is probably the one that comes to mind immediately. And I do remember times where the AFL Players Association have said we're not going to play on that surface which uh, because of the uh, risk to our players and I guess that's something that uh, other sports, particularly like V8s, are sort of screaming out for. We want more input into safety. Has there ever been a time where the Players Association has had to step in and say we will not go out there? Yeah, it's a good question, Craig. In terms of RHNS, the Occupational Health and Safety uh, in our experience, um, you know, obviously the V8 supercar space is very, very safety focused. I would imagine being such a, you know, from a distance, a dangerous sport. But look, one of the things that we can achieve by working as a collective is by channeling these issues through a process and actually coming through with some, some really positive outcomes. I mean, an example might be even on a you know, sort of a relatively small scale, we, we had an incidence of increased knee injuries for our, for ruckman playing in our game, and a couple of years ago. Um, the, the rules committee met and we were involved in that rules committee and we went through a process of, of changing the rules slightly so uh, therefore that the incidence of, of injuries to Ruckman in the knee area were, were very much curtailed by this, this process. So there is a positive aspect to it. It doesn't need, need necessarily to be adversarial. I mean, I think in you know, the AFL's credit and also I suppose other governing sports credit, I don't think they want to create an unsafe workplace, but um, sometimes they, you just need uh, that, that little bit of that, that ability to, to process these, thing, these things through in a forum that's respected and, and actually can achieve outcomes. Because, of course, all, you know, as I say, AFL players or indeed, I suppose, uh, drivers would, would want outcomes, and that's fair enough, and uh, rather than just chasing their tail. But yeah, that's one example, Craig, I suppose, where that's been a positive thing. Now, I guess one of the other roles is we're looking at workplace fairness and democracy. Yep. Uh, and I would imagine that you do have situations uh, where players can come to you and say, I think I'm being you know, unfairly treated by my employer, which is the club. Yeah, another thing that we've sort of managed to achieve through our, we have a, a collective bargaining agreement with the AFL, which spells out, you know, the, the basic work work conditions and that sort of thing. But one of the one of the issues in in that regard, and it happens in all workplaces, whether it's a sports person or not, is you can from time to time have a grievance with your employer. So we've we've put in place a grievance procedure where where it's all it's all locked in and it's all very clear to all the parties as to how the procedure works. So rather than being ad hoc decisions made almost off the bat there's actually a process uh, and the grievance procedure and grievance tribunal is very much set up to, to manage those incidences and we, you know we, as I said you know you'd be naive to think that there would never be any grievances and that, that would be uh, in, in all workplaces I imagine and you know out above and beyond sport but sport in particular when it's got such a high pressure environment too so. With the 
when we talk about the AFL Players Association, are we only talking about players in the Toyota Premiership League, or are we talking about players who might play Sample, Watford, yeah. AFL Canberra, um, South Wales ACT League, QFL? Yeah, Craig. Basically, at this, we we very much um, represent players. We have uh, a membership. Our main membership is the current players who play in the AFL itself. So not some um, players from Sandville or Waffle or you know QFL and other interstate leagues. We represent um, purely AFL players in the AFL system. We also recently introduced a past player membership uh, category where we now uh, provide benefits and represent past player past AFL and VFL players, so players who previously uh, played in the VFL or the AFL, we also, uh, they're right. able to join our association as well now, but yeah, primarily it's the, um, the current list of AFL players um, in the AFL. Now, can you play AFL in Australia and not be a member of the Players Association? Yes, you can. Yep, that's right. I mean, the, in the last few years, um, we've, we've had a 100% um, membership, but uh, that's due to a number of reasons. Um, we provide a number of benefits to our members that um, you'd, you'd be, uh, you wouldn't be that wise not, not to join to, to miss out on. So we've managed to create a range of benefits and services that are pretty good and um, in, in initiation with the other stakeholders in the game. So, um, yeah, there's currently 100% membership and has been for some time. And if I can ask, is it a flat rate fee or is it a percentage of your wage? Yeah, the way it's structured, Craig, is it is a flat rate fee. Um, there, there is a... a uh, the membership fee for uh, we have a rookie system, which I'm not sure you're familiar with, Craig. But they pay they pay a, a smaller fee compared to the players on the on what's called the senior list. So um, there's sort of two two structures there. My thanks to Jason Monet for joining us here on the V8 Insiders special edition continues after the break. We find out how Nepal Australia reacted to having their players unionise. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Will Davison from the Toll Holden Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. For the V8 supercars, if the drivers do get their association up and running, it means that they will have a whole new dynamic in the mix. One organisation in sporting terms in Australia has had to go through those pains, Kate Palmer from Netball Australia, over the past few years has seen her elite athletes all unite through the collective bargaining strength of the trade union movement. I asked Kate how hard it was for Netball Australia to react to those changes. So probably we've been in the last four years. Um, and I have to say initially for our sport it was very threatening. We felt quite threatened by uh, the process because it was um, the Transport, Transport Workers Union were involved and representatives from, from that organisation who were very experienced unionists. Uh, but I have to say, since that time and since we got through the preliminary stages of negotiating a- agreements and 
actually working together, it's been probably one of the most positive experiences for our for our athletes in terms of their uh, terms and conditions. So they've really um, actually got us working together much better with our athletes about what is needed. And um, but it hasn't been without its pain, I have to tell you. It was interesting when that process was going through that we did see a lot of the players talking about money and and conditions for the first time in netball. Normally it had been for the love of the game. Well, it has, and that's something we were really aware of. And I must admit, some of the I think most of the players uh, at the time, and certainly the national players, saw themselves as being the front runners, the people that would pave the way for the future netballers. They knew that they would never be fully professional athletes. And so they were actually trying to put a position forward that would establish them for the future. And certainly that's what the Players Association were trying to do. Um, yes, and, and look, it really was about actually, to be honest with you, giving the players what they deserved. And what the sport could afford and what the players deserve are two different things, though. And I think that um, we're moving very quickly towards professionalism now, fully pro- full pro- professionalism. Uh, the other thing, I guess the other important factor, and I think the AFL Players Association and certainly the other, you know, Cricket Australia's Players Association, been um, that what they do in terms of welfare and, and caring for the athletes, uh, about careers, uh, about um, balancing their lives. So there's all of these other elements that we had always taken as part of our responsibility, but now it's actually there is another body that actually is taking those things into account. So again, it's one of those things where the union, the Players Association would love us to be much further forward than we are, but I have to say uh, we're working very closely with them to make those things happen. And we still won't always agree. We still, they still think that we need or provide more than we can. Um, and it's just a matter of us being sensible about how we work with them. Mm. Now, in the uh, case that we're talking about uh, with the supercars and the drivers wanting to uh, get an association together, V8 supercars are faced with a position you were faced in four or five years ago. What would you say to them if they would ask you about going through a transition like this? And how could you... Well, I think you really need to be about... It's very clear, and I, I suspect... I mean, V8 supercars is a very professional organisation, so I suspect that they know they're very clear about what um, they... Um, that what they their terms would be, and I suspect that the, the um, drivers and their teams, the teams they drive for, would also understand the environment very clearly. So I think it's about how you get to meet in the middle, and and, and that takes a lot of um, a lot of um, patience and um, certainly respect on both sides. And and so I think uh, you know that these organisations are well, actually, in actual fact probably far more experienced than we are and far more professional so um, I, 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 I suspect if they're very uh, if they sit down together and, and work it through it might take them a while to do it but um, it's worth it's worth doing that to make sure that you get it right my thanks to Kate Palmer now we did check with the TWU about the arrangements that the elite sports players have but unfortunately it's the AWU that represents sporting codes and sporting elite athletes. We're unable to speak to the AWU for comment in time for making the show. The TWU was happy to say that they would love to see the V8 Supercar Drivers Unite because there is a great advantage of being part of the union. They also said that they wouldn't be able to necessarily join the TWU, the Transport Workers Union, because there's quite a bit of demarcation in the union industry and the AWU 
or the arts and entertainment unions that would be most relevant to the V8 supercar drivers. We'll be back after the break with Cole Hitchcock to talk about charity and change. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. G'day, it's Greg Murphy from the Sprint Guest Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Cole Hitchcock joins us once again here on the V8 Insiders and we have an opportunity now to find out more details on the decisions made by the board in the last couple of weeks. Of course, the first one is, well, what appeared to many to be a reactionary change on the qualifying, Cole. Yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it reacting. I'd call it a a positive thing that, uh, yes, uh, you know, there was some criticism, but that wasn't the sole reason why... uh, why we made things, uh, or, or the, the board decided to amend uh, the qualifying for uh, for the events this this from well Hamilton forward, I guess. So um, you know it's a positive thing. Um, there were some teams that actually uh, supported the initial um, qualifying format, and it helped some, and it didn't help others in Clipsal. It just seems as though we only heard from the ones that it didn't help. Uh, however, um, that that uh, that's history now, and uh, yeah, we're moving on, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, what we've done is separate the two days more finitely than potentially we uh, we did in Adelaide. It's it's interesting the point you raised there because um, I was expecting you to at least give it a few more trust. Oh yeah, I guess uh, it, it was a uh, you know a way to uh, positively address the situation and give fans um, what we'd always hoped to do was uh, two separate race days and make sure that. Uh, teams and drivers are rewarded for effort on those single days. It is a 26 race season, um, so to add that uh, that 20 uh, that minute qualifying session on Sunday does really separate those two days. It does indeed, and well one of the other important board decisions that was made on the week, or last week was the finalisation of the plan for tyres and the super sticky tyres for 2009. Yeah, that's right. Um, they've decided that uh, that uh, they will uh, uh, allow teams to use a full set once uh, in either race on a Saturday or Sunday at those select uh, events that uh, they can they can run that soft tyre. So that's another great initiative and another thing that will um, you know emphasise more strategy and more teamwork and hopefully more passing and more action for our fans and our TV viewers. Now they will not be able to use this during uh, qualifying, will they? These new tyres. No, that's correct. Only during the racing and must use a full set at the same time. So all four tyres, all, all four wheels, I should say, must have uh, the soft compound tyre on them in one of the two races. OK. Um, now, I was uh, talking to their supercars about getting one of the old compulsory pit stop lights and using that as another indicator of when the super stickies are on. Has that been uh, agreed to? Um, yeah, look, I can't confirm that, but uh, I do believe that there is something on the uh, with the lights that do that the tyres are on. But let's not forget the tyres will have a big yellow wa- uh, streak of paint right around them, which will make it fairly obvious, I'd suggest. 
Well, I know that you've just spent a couple of days up there in Townsville and the question everyone's asking is how is it progressing for the uh, Townsville 400 later in the year? You've just, which, of course, uh, received uh, some naming rights sponsorship news this week as well. Yeah, it's all about the title, isn't it? Uh, Dunlop Farm coming on board, um, clearly, uh, uh, like a number of other major companies. See, news this week as well. Townsville 400 is a, as a, as a big opportunity for them uh, in North Queensland, a previously untapped market in terms of live racing. Um, and, uh, you know, we think that event will really build itself into something like the Hamilton 400 or, or even Adelaide over time in, in that, uh, you know, they have very uh, uh, close similarities, I suppose. And, um, um, you know, uh, it's great to have Dunlop on board, but the track looks absolutely unbelievable. We've had, uh, we had Premier Anna Bly, Queensland Premier, up there yesterday with a couple of her uh, ministers who are responsible for, for, for the track and for uh, the sport portfolio in Queensland. And everyone to a man was absolutely impressed because what we've been able to do is, is convert a, a limited amount of, uh, of actual uh, road and combine that with what is almost in real consideration a permanent circuit and design a, a purpose-built um, track and uh, I don't know if you've seen the photos but uh, you know it's going to be really really good the drivers are all well in favour of it it's wide it's got uh, quite a few passing opportunities around it um, uh, the spectator areas are just unbelievable um, so when it's complete it, it has the potential to be one of the best circuits we've got and of course uh well, with the weather that we've been experiencing up north, uh, I know the contractors have gone to great pains to point out that they still are on track, and even if there was some more delays uh, due to uh, natural causes, they would have uh, plenty of overtime and other shifts that they can put in place to ensure everything goes smoothly. Oh, I don't think that was ever the case. Wet weather in a place like North Queensland was always drawn into or written into the uh, the build time, so that that wasn't anything that nobody uh, didn't expect. I mean, I guess we didn't expect the degree of the flooding, but certainly they they anticipated uh, a, you know a month or so of heavy rain in North Queensland because that's North Queensland, and that that had already been factored in. So, you know, a few people. Uh, uh, might have panicked a little bit and uh, and perhaps drawn assumptions that that weren't correct. But the track, there was never any chance that the track was not going to be complete. Um, you know, and now the people of Townsville are actually seeing all of the bitumen laid down fully, and uh, um, you know the pit building about almost half finished. So uh, Leighton's contractors are a massive uh, company, so they've got all the resource they need to throw at it if they need to throw at it. Mm. Now, I, I know that whilst we're talking pit buildings, we saw that fantastic new complex at Clipsal this year, and uh, I know V8 Supercars have been looking closely at uh, the events that you promote and being able to put in pit complexes and control systems um, similar to that Clipsal design. How is that process going? Oh, look, I'd say very early stages, but it certainly opened a lot of people's eyes as to what what can be done in a in a portable sense of a a, a totally purpose-built um, pit lane facility, including uh, two levels of, of corporate hospitality and uh, space for the officials and uh, and the media, of course, and all sorts of things. So, um, you know, I don't think uh, there's been a lot of concrete conversations, but certainly it's uh, it's opened up an opportunity uh, potentially sometime down the track, maybe. Um, you know, to uh, to provide something similar to that at other events. Mm. I imagine Shane Howard is uh, keen watching Townsville keenly with interest because that is just one of of a number of major projects that he's undertaking this year. 
Oh, we all are. I mean, Townsville and Sydney are absolutely integral to the sport now and they're uh, very, very important events and it's important that we do both of them as well as we can and to the best of our ability and make sure that those events have a great start and, and a, uh, a long, long future. And I think, uh, you know, we're doing everything in our power to do that with support of the various government bodies and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I don't have any doubt that both will be a success um, and, you know, give us building blocks for, for the years to come. Well, whilst you mentioned Sydney, uh, I know that... Uh, Sydney... ...be a success um, and, you know, give us building blocks for, for the years to come. Is now track plans and, and all the sign-off and government approvals now in place? Uh, yeah, we've, we've uh, um, had a couple of important uh, days with the New South Wales government in particular and the federal government approving uh, the environmental component of Sydney, so that's uh, essentially one of the final hurdles, but there's still a lot of work to go. We've got a long time, um, you know, a reasonable amount of time between now and December to, uh, to keep... Uh, you know, keep with our plans and uh, get our events guys onto the task. So, um, you know, it's um, uh, you know, it's it's, it's, an it's an exciting time. But yeah, you're right. It's a very challenging time for all of us. Oh, and finally, just uh, I, I forgot to mention, ask you earlier, but we did see a lot of charity work going on right at the beginning of the year, particularly with the two fan days and uh, a number of drivers. Uh, well, certainly Jamie Wincup, the tra series champion, coming out and uh, offering up uh, fan sponsorship, uh, not sponsorship, but offering up support and charity to uh, both Victoria and to uh, the Queensland flood victims. Has, uh, have you been able to tally up how much support V8 Supercars has been able to give to both those areas? Yeah, in actual fact, both of the test days uh, were uh, made or, or uh, raised about the same amount. It was about uh, $17,000 at each of those, so uh, about thirty-four, thirty-five thousand $35,000 in total from the two test days, plus the $100,000 that uh, V8 Supercars Australia uh, donated uh, themselves uh, at the start of the year. And yes, you're right, a lot of uh, individual teams and drivers are doing uh, you know, ongoing things, including HRT running the, uh, the bushfire livery, uh, at the Grand Prix um, and uh, you know we're actually going to plan a few more things for later in the year uh, potentially some things at Winton uh, where we'll time with the CFA guys and and, uh, and do some more work uh, but you know those, the, the, the tragedy might have been forgotten uh, a little bit in the media and so on and so forth but there's still a lot of, lot of people out there that are hurting badly so uh, anything we can do to help we will and I think certainly uh, I didn't get to Queensland Raceway for the test day there, but down at Winton, it was extremely well received. And we had uh, lines akin to a race day uh, back down to the highway at Winton. So it goes to show that those events, and we had uh, lines, the plans that were put in place a couple of years ago are really coming to fruition now. Oh, sure. There's no question that they're popular days and uh, they're, they're good days for people just to, you know, be in a bit more of a relaxed environment. And, uh, and certainly our teams are somewhat more relaxed than they might be at a, at a race meeting. Um, but, you know, uh, Winton also benefited from the fact that Monday was a public holiday. Uh, Queensland didn't have that luxury uh, being the, the following Wednesday, but, you know, you can't always uh, work around those things. But, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to work on them and build on them. But, you know, they are test days by the pure sense of the word. Um, so, you know, you'd never envisage that they would be a major, major event um, because the uh, cost of... Uh, of in infrastructure to put in a, put on a major event, uh, you know, sometimes prohibitive. My thanks to everyone who's joined us here on this special edition of the V8 Insiders. Hope you're having a wonderful Easter day as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.